Hi, my name's Alyssa. And my name's Melissa. Welcome back to the Deliverability Defined Podcast. Each week, we'll be diving deep into a topic and giving you practical advice to improve your email deliverability. In other words, we'll help you reach the inbox of your subscribers and stay out of their spam folders, leading to more success in your email marketing. Deliverability can be complex, but we're here to define it. Hello, Melissa. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. You and I both have new fancy backgrounds and that's making me happy. Um, I feel like we both look so refreshed with our new spaces. I know, except for mine has like, so there's like old holes that I had to fill Mm -hmm. and I'm going to hang a bunch of things on the wall behind me, but right now I can see those and it's like driving me crazy. So don't look at those. Okay. I can't see them. Okay, good. Yeah, it all looks great. Um, But yeah, it's been a good day. I know we both have had a lot of meetings, um, so hopefully we're not too brain dead, but I've got my second cup of coffee and I'm excited. I think this will be a fun um, episode to switch things up. I know it's kind of weird because I'm like so used to our normal format and this is a little different. So I'm trying to like switch gears and not Mm -hmm. think about how we have always done things (laughs) so that I can try and like have a new way of thinking about it. Yeah. So uh, as a listener, you're probably like, what are you talking about? So obviously we are, if you've listened to other episodes, you know that we're between seasons. Uh, We kind of break up the podcast into uh, seasons that have 20 episodes each, which is really helpful for us because we really want each episode to be pretty robust and we want to plan it out well. And then we create a bunch of content to go with it. And we have an Instagram deliverability defined and we have all sorts of graphics. So um, anyways, since we put so much work into every single episode, it is nice to have a little break and have some time to plan for next season. But we didn't want to just go completely silent because we love talking to you all and, you know, email doesn't stop. So it's hard for us to stop. And That's a good point. Yeah. So um, what we are going to start doing And what this episode is going to be all about is we're going to start a series called Ask Our Experts. Um, That's a blog series um, where I've asked some ConvertKit teammates to give a response to a question. And so in this podcast episode, we're going to just sort of read through that blog post, um, give you different perspectives from people who do different jobs across ConvertKit. And I would have had the teammates, you know, respond directly, but audio is important. Um, I don't want you all to have to listen to a podcast where it sounds terrible. So, um, not everyone has obviously like equipment, fancy microphones. <laughs> yeah. So we'll just read for them and tell you who said what. And then also, you know, Melissa and I will give our commentary about what everyone had to say. Yeah. This will be fun. I'll be like just changing it up and probably, I mean, even though, like you said, they're not reading them, kind of fun to have some other opinions and suggestions other than ourselves <laughs> hearing ourselves talk. So yes, <laughs> agreed. So I guess we can go ahead and get started. Um, the question that we asked this month is other than open rates, what should email senders focus on in order to measure success? So I'll hop right into what I had to say at the beginning of the blog post, but really I wanted to focus on what everyone else had to say, but here's what I said. With the latest Apple announcement, open rates are going to become even less reliable when it comes to measuring success of your email efforts. 
For many senders, open rates were the metrics they have historically focused on most. Now they're left wondering, what now? It's important for senders to determine what action they want subscribers to take and to measure that in order to determine the success of their email marketing. When you send an email, are you hoping to receive more podcast downloads? Then your target metric should be the number of podcast downloads that originated from the link in your email. Are you hoping subscribers will purchase a product that you're selling in your email? Then your focus metric should be purchases or revenue generated from the email. Open rates have been considered a vanity metric for a long time. There are several factors that make open tracking inaccurate. Aside from accuracy, though, opens only paint a small part of the picture. While we do want subscribers to open our emails, it shouldn't be the end goal. It's best to focus on the action we want subscribers to take in order to determine the success of our email efforts. Alrighty, so that's what I had uh, to say. Nothing new if you've been listening to the podcast. But yeah, just in general, I think focusing on what in the world you actually want your subscribers to do after they open your email is a great way to get a more true measure of success. I love that. It's something that I want to say like, duh, (laughs) but like it's hard because open rates are kind of that big number that's just there for a lot of senders. So I think it's hard for people to move past the open rate part. And like you're saying, focus on the other results, um, which ultimately is what all senders want. They want conversion to sales or downloads or whatever it is. And I don't know why it's, it's hard, but like open rates almost puts like unnecessary focus on things that we don't have control over all the time. So I think that was really, really well said. And I don't know, I feel like I want to try to use some of that for when people like our customers reach out and have questions. Well, thank you. Yeah. And, you know, obviously I wish you and I sometimes could just like, we're able to change the product ourselves. I'm sure everyone, I'm not an engineer, so that all seems like magic to me, but it would be really nice if in the future, you know, we'll put this as a product request. I think it'd be so cool if people could like set their target metric that they want, Mm -hmm. you know, to like be the the main focus. So whenever you send an email, if you like select a certain link and say like, I want subscribers to click this link, that's my target metric. Mm-hmm. And then when you go to view your metrics for that broadcast or email, that's the metric that's sort of in your face. And of course there's other metrics. There. I love that. Yeah. That's my dream world. Um, because that's a really good idea. Oh, thanks. Um, but as humans, no matter you know, how smart we are or whatever, it is really hard not to focus on whatever metric is right in front of your face whenever you open up your ESP or email reporting system. Even if you don't want to focus on opens, if it's right there and it's the biggest number, it's hard not to focus on it. Okay. Do you want to read us your response, Melissa? I said, open rates can be helpful when looking at a sender's overall deliverability. There's no doubt about it. On the contrary, they can also lack accuracy, similar to what you said, Alyssa. If an open tracking pixel is triggered by non-human interaction situations, we aren't always able to weed out those inaccurate opens. The good news is there are plenty of other metrics we can encourage senders to focus on. Clicks and replies are two very important metrics that come to mind. My favorite, though, are replies. Ask your audience a question they feel excited to answer. Receiving those replies is not only fantastic for your sender reputation, but often provides great insight into your audience's interests. This usually helps senders zero in on the content their audience really wants to see. Love it. Replies are wonderful. Just 
and I think we've said too, there are obviously a lot of senders out there who have larger businesses who might not have time to respond to every single message. And I don't even think that people who send in replies expect a response from someone depending on the the person they're they're <clears throat> excuse me messaging but like getting an email back with a discussion about replies um which you've mentioned before uh Nathan has done you know he he probably doesn't respond to every single person but he will discuss in the next newsletter what was you know sent in as far as replies goes so that kind of makes you feel like maybe your reply was seen and I, I, just, I don't know. I just think learning more about your audience is obviously super helpful. And that can be a great way to do that. Yeah, I think that's so important. And one thing you've mentioned a lot throughout different episodes that I think applies here is that since people are so used to social media, I think now people are a lot more used to like writing to people and not expecting any response. Like totally. Yeah, I think a lot of people do, you know, right now, send a DM on Instagram or reply to someone's Instagram story knowing that they're not going to respond Mm -hmm. or fill out that little question box or whatever it may be on Instagram. And it doesn't, it's not anything bad that you won't get a response, but you still know like that you're potentially being heard and you Mm -hmm. feel a part of the conversation. So I think now, you know, back in the day, it might've felt rude to like, for someone to respond to your message and you don't reply. Mm-hmm. But I think when someone knows it's a newsletter and, you know. Almost like a poll kind of thing. Like, I think it depends on how you phrase the question. Like, if you're asking for, like, intimate details of something, like, <laughs> you know, and someone's like, oh, here's my life story, and you don't get a response, that kind of feels a little weird. But, like, asking someone, what's your favorite color to wear on Friday? You know, that's everyone's going to say a color and it's like, do you really need a response back to that? So yeah. Yeah. I think it just depends on what, what it is you're discussing, but for the most part, I don't think anyone would be offended. And I think ultimately, like you said, it's inviting people to be a part of a discussion. For sure. One idea that just came to my mind in case any creator out there wants to use it is like, if I had a newsletter and at the end I said something about, I'm going to Seattle soon and I said, what restaurant or coffee shop do I need to go to while I'm in Seattle? Let me know. Like, mm-hmm. reply, reply to this email. And then, you know, you read my newsletter and you replied. I don't think you would expect me to respond, but it would be really nice if, like, then in the next newsletter, if I went somewhere I loved, I, like, gave a shout out to someone. Was like, oh, my gosh. Also, one of you sent me the best recommendation. I really mm-hmm. appreciate it. So little things like that. Again, it's not um, – I don't think a reply is expected at all, but it still builds that community. And bonus, it helps your deliverability. So highly recommend replies. Lots of uh, good outcomes for that. For sure. Okay, we're going to go on to the next uh, response. And now we're getting into our other teammates. So this will be fun. I will not do their voice because I can't do that. (laughs) But this came from Akash, who is... Just like I wanted to say our other half, but that doesn't make sense because there's three (laughs) of us. But he is amazing and he is on our deliverability and compliance product specialist team. I just can't say enough good things about Akash. Um, If you write into our, uh, you know, support our system, Mm -hmm. our support, (laughs) support system, and you have a deliverability question, you might have heard from Akash. He's awesome. So helpful. And he has a really great response here. So let's see what he had to say. Aside from open rates, you should be paying attention to your conversion rate. 
This is the metric that, in the end, will show you the true engagement of your list. A conversion can refer to any desired action that you want your customer to take. It can be a purchase, clicking a link, or subscribing to a form. How can you calculate the conversion rate? It's easy. You follow this calculation. Conversion rate percentage equals number of conversions divided by number of delivered emails times 100. For example, let's say you're planning to launch a new email campaign via an automation that begins when someone signs up to your form. And you inform subscribers through your newsletter to subscribe to the new form. If 100 of your subscribers sign up to that form, which you can check in your form reports, and you've sent 10,000 emails, then your conversion rate is 100 over 10,000 times 100, which equals 1%. And now the million dollar question, what is a good conversion rate? The answer is there isn't a right number for everyone. What is considered a good conversion rate entirely depends on the market and industry you're in. Location, demographics, and other factors might also be changing the end result. What we recommend is aiming for a conversion rate that helps you reach your goals and start working with your numbers from there. Here are some examples, though, that you may find useful. It looks like he got this from Movable Inc. Uh, We will include the link to the article he got this from in our show notes. But in general, there's a table that will be in our blog post, and it has the conversion rate of each type of email. So I'll start listing those. For newsletters, a typical conversion rate is 1%. Uh, For an order follow-up, it's 5%. For an inactive customer email, it's 2.6%. For an abandoned cart, it's 5%. And for a member follow-up, for example, a registration, it's 2.7%. So again, we will include that link in the show notes, um, but I'll keep going with what Akash had to say. These guidelines are a good starting point, but you can set your own goals and measure your success. From there, you can spot trends in areas where you may need improvement, finding new ways to engage with your subscribers and actually convert them as paying customers. With the help of the metrics you can find in ConvertKit, such as open rates, click rates, unsubscribe rates, and bounces, you can calculate your own conversion rates and it will help lead your business to rise and shine. Oh, that was so good. He's amazing. I love that. So detailed with examples and a chart. Oh my gosh. I know. Akash is so detailed. I know. I obviously agree with the whole conversion I do think that is really the ultimate metric. Gosh, I always do this. I like want to come up with a good analogy on the spot. So I'll, I'll keep thinking on it, but, um, I love that he mentioned, um, the different industries because I think that's like a really tough thing that it's just hard. Like, obviously there's a relatively like good deliverability open rate, for example, like on average in the industry, which is 20%. But it really is tough because there are so many different business models when it comes to email marketing, and they're not all the same across the board. So trying to come up with a a general number um, can be really tough because not everyone is, they're not using a an equation that is all the same. Yeah, that's one thing that's so interesting about email is that, so many different types of companies or businesses or people use it and they use it in all different ways. So it really is impossible for there to be one number that fits everyone. Mm -hmm. 
this is always so apparent to me when I talk to other like friends that work at other ESPs. I know we've mentioned our friend Allison a lot, mm-hmm. and you know she works for a very different ESP than ConvertKit. Um, she works for Braze, which has really large enterprise customers who typically have dedicated IPs, and it's a whole different like world. Um, and what's going to be one of her really large customers' conversion rate metric goal is going to be very different than you know, a food blogger or a musician or an author who's sending a weekly newsletter. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's totally okay. So I love what Akash had to say about setting your own benchmarks based on your numbers and your own goals. Like what do you need to reach in order to be profitable mm-hmm. and how are you going to get there? Yeah. Love that. Such a great response. Yes. Thank you, Akash. This is fun. I like this. I know. <laughs> this is fun. I hope everyone listening is enjoying it. <laughs> Highlighting all of our teammates. Yeah. So our next response is from our team member, Helen. She is also a part of our um, deliverability and compliance uh, product specialist team. And she's great. She is, You might see her more in deliverability um, if you write in for support. Um, she is going to start helping out with those tickets as well. So look out for her. She's amazing. She is amazing. Love her. Yes. So let's jump into what she said. She said, open rates have and will in some ways continue to be great, a great way to measure email performance. However, we tend to get tunnel vision and focus solely on the subscribers who are opening emails, forgetting about our subscribers that aren't opening any emails, our cold subscribers. Ooh, I love this. <laughs> this is so good. Okay. At ConvertKit, we define cold subscribers as any subscriber who hasn't opened or clicked an email in the last 90 days. For subscribers who have been active for fewer than 90 days, we define cold subscribers as anyone who hasn't opened or clicked an email in 30 days. While cold subscribers may not be the most exciting email performance measurement to review, I do believe the subscribers that are opening our emails say just as much about our content and list as the subscribers who aren't opening our emails. I think there are a few questions that we can ask ourselves when we look at our cold subscriber list. Are there any trends on your cold subscriber lists? Are there any groups of subscribers that are more cold than engaged? Are you sending emails often enough? Are you sending too many emails? Is it just time to say goodbye to a few subscribers or maybe time to reintroduce yourself? Cue hello by Adele. I love that. I know. (laughs) Regardless of whether your cold subscriber list can be counted on one hand or is looking a little long, it's important to keep your chin up and just take one step forward. We look at cold subscribers because our focus is on our email list as a whole. Here's to the hard goodbyes and long-awaited reunions with our cold subscribers. I love that. I know. I think so it's because well I'm written. too excited that I'm trying, to, <laughs> I'm trying to read the next sentence and I'm like, blah, blah. Um, that was fantastic. As you were reading, you were smiling so big. <laughs> I, I loved it. But mine was just so short. I was like, oh, <laughs> do I deserve to be on a podcast? Oh my gosh, stop. Sometimes short and sweet is just great, but I That's did true. love this. The hello by Adele really got me. There was so much personality in both Akash and Helen's responses. I loved it. But also really good point. And actually, when I was writing my response, I didn't think about that in the way that she said that. I know. So good. Yeah, I don't think I would have said that either, but it's so true and so important. So if you haven't taken a look at your unengaged subscribers, like Helen said, there's so much you can learn from them. Mm -hmm. Maybe go through a handful at a time. And like she said, try and spot any trends. 
are all of your unengaged subscribers in a certain, you know, tag or import Mm -hmm. where they all came from the same place? And you think, hmm, maybe I shouldn't have collected this list in this way. Right. Or maybe I'm not sending them the content they expected to receive. Or maybe, oh, wow, I'm sending them two emails a day. I didn't mean to do that. So glad I took a look at these gold subscribers. Yeah, it's funny. I actually, this like makes me think about cold subscribers kind of differently um, because I don't normally tell customers to like focus on cold subscribers in that way, but I might start doing that, especially if I see a trend in their cold subscribers. Um, But yeah, it was just like very well said. So good job, Helen. Yep. Thank you, Helen. We needed that. Yeah, and I, I did smile a lot the whole time. I was also <laughs> laughing at myself because I could tell I was excited, but also trying to read at the same time. Yeah, I could tell you were so excited. Like with the first sentence, you lit up and you were so happy. And it was just great to watch. You know, I forget what it was recently. And somebody was talking about email and I was like, I if you would have asked me five years ago, if I would have thought that this would have gotten me excited and like passionate, I would have said no. So it's just funny. I know. Sometimes when I think about that, I think back to, I feel like one of my first memories of email was in middle school, they gave us all like student emails. Oh. And we'd have like a computer lab class where we'd all just email each other. And I mean, as you can imagine, it did not go well. It was a lot of like, <laughs> will you be my girlfriend? Will you yeah. be my boyfriend? Oh my gosh. Did you see what so I'm breaking like, up with you at lunch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like not the best idea to give middle schoolers all an email. That sounds terrible. I feel like you could, could not do that today. No, but it was honestly so fun. Like, loved it. So That's so funny. Yeah, kind of full circle, I guess. Yeah, full circle. <laughs> I think this next one's going to be really cool because this next submission comes from Becky, who is our implementations specialist at ConvertKit. And if you have no idea what that means, because I definitely didn't, she essentially leads our migrations process. And what that means is if you're not using ConvertKit, For free, you can fill out our migrations form and Becky and her team, who are seriously amazing, Mm -hmm. help you like concierge. It's insane. Um, Help you with, you know, importing your list, getting everything moved over properly. It's like the most hands-on helpful Mm -hmm. process ever. Um, And she is just like a boss. Like she She is. (laughs) It's amazing. She handles so much. I could never um, do that job. So yeah. It was, I'm so happy that she raised her hand to participate in this blog series. And her answer is definitely something we have never talked about on the podcast and something we would never think of. Um, So I think it's going to be really interesting. Oh, yay. Okay, here's what Becky had to say. Based on what I see when helping creators on a daily basis, an extremely important area to focus on is account organization. Oh. I can't preach this enough to folks, especially those managing more than one website slash brand within their account. Creators need to be specific and intentional about naming conventions with their forms, automations, tags, sequences, etc. Calling your form form one and connecting it to new sequence doesn't <laughs> cut it. The goal with your accounts should be that if you don't touch something for six months, or if you have someone new working inside your accounts, it should be crystal clear how all automations, sequences, forms, and tags are related. It makes everyone's lives so much easier. That was so great. I know. Such a cool perspective that, again, like you and I, I don't think would ever think to bring that up, but it really is like a really necessary foundation for you to do everything we talk about well. Like you can't, 
have successful email marketing and deliverability if your account with any ESP you use is a mess and it's not organized and you don't know where to find anything. I feel like deliverability in general is so cyclical and just like something affects something else. It's like, you know, domino effect, whatever you want to call it. But everything has a purpose. And when one of those things, it's like it's little, its own little ecosystem. And when one thing is off, the whole thing can be off. So when, you know, when Becky says like, don't connect form one to new sequence. Um, <laughs> the problem with that and what I see in like the deliverability advice that I give is people will not realize like they'll be like, my open rates aren't very good. And we've talked about this in other episodes, but um, we'll go and look at like a random subscriber in their account. And that subscriber has five emails in one day and they don't realize that that subscriber is just getting bombarded with emails because they're not organized. And it's very easy to let that happen. I mean, I'm not a, I don't have my own like business that I'm currently running and creating, but I've seen it so many times where, you know, you you start to take off with content and it's not really set up well. And then before you know it, you have automations and forms and sequences, and then someone's getting five emails a day. And that looks to email box providers like, like spam. Yep. Such a good point. And I know a joke we've made before and that a lot of people make in the email world is that typically like when something doesn't go well or there's a big email mistake, they blame the intern. Yeah. I know if you all saw the big like HBO fiasco that happened, they sent out an email. I think the subject line was integration test one or something like that. And they sent it out to, I think, millions of people. I know so many people I know got it. And it was a huge thing. Everyone was tweeting about it and they tweeted and said like, it was the intern. Um, Makes my palms sweat. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but it's like, I don't, you can't blame the intern if the account you gave them to work in mm-hmm. is unorganized. Like, just like Becky said, you should have your account set up so that if you decided to hire an intern, it would be very clear mm-hmm. what everything does. So even if you're not planning on hiring an intern, it's just a good um, idea If you want to have success in your email marketing and deliverability to make sure your foundation is sturdy and organized Mm -hmm. and you have everything in place. Yeah, I think a lot of people probably, I mean, I can see myself doing this, start off with like form one because you don't really know where you're headed. But I think um, not starting off specific is exactly what causes the problems down the road because you do end up like, let's say you started off with 500 subscribers and before you know it, you're at 10 but like the way you set up your account initially wasn't productive. And I think that's probably where a lot of people have the problems is like the initial part, even though you don't think maybe at that point it would be that wouldn't influence that to happen. Yep. So good. I love that we have, um, we gave ideas and tips from teammates that we've definitely never talked about in the podcast, I which know, it's really fun. is really hard to come across sometimes when it comes to deliverability, because it feels like we say the same thing over and over. So I'm really happy we um, offered some new information coming from our teammates. It was fun. I know. This was really fun. Yay. Okay. Well, um, if you want more, uh, if you want to see that chart I mentioned from Akash, um, you can go to our blog. There should be an ep- uh, a blog post up now that relates to this exact episode. Pretty much everything we read through will be there. And you can also just take a look at our show notes on this episode. 
But if you have any feedback, if you hated this or loved this, <laughs> hopefully loved, feel free to let us know at convertkit.com slash deliverability. Awesome. This was fun. We'll see you next month with this and we're planning season three. So if you have any ideas um, or something you really want us to talk about, again, let us know. Sounds good. We'll see you then. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Deliverability Defined. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening. And if you have time, please leave us a review. You can find a resource guide for today's show at convertkit.com slash deliverability, where we outline all of the information you need to know from today's episode. If you have a question or topic you want us to cover, let us know within the ConvertKit community or at convertkit.com slash deliverability. We'll see you next week.